First of all, in today's extra episode, we have myself talking to Simon Chu of Digit Music, all about their adapted wheelchair controller that is helping disabled people create fantastic music. And then our Sarah Bottrell talks to AbilityNet trustee Kush Kanodia. He's a social entrepreneur, and they're talking about his passion for assistive technology and his work with the Global Disability Innovation Hub. My name's Sai Chu and I'm from Digit Music. And Digit Music are one of the winners of this summer's Tech for Good awards and they won in the... It's the accessibility category. And this is aimed mainly at, well let's talk about the tech and who it is for and whose lives are being transformed by this really brilliant technology. So let's talk about Control One. Okay, great. Yeah, thank you. So Control One is um, an adapted wheelchair controller um, and we have adapted it to um, be used as a musical instrument. Um, So you're able to play a number of instruments with it or you're able to um, actually kind of compose and produce using it um, dependent on the kind of uh, the, the setup that you have. We're currently using um, alongside a really popular piece of software called Ableton. Um, so we've developed a number of sort of um, setups within Ableton that allow the controllers to kind of bring out the best um, and, and be set up and differentiated for the different needs of all of the users. Um, we're in the process of developing our own software at the moment, which we can we can talk about later. Um, but the main aim for this, really, I've, I've worked with um, young people with disabilities for a number of years um, on a project called the Able Orchestra, which aims to put them at the forefront of the compositional process and, and really kind of um, give them some creative control over, over what they're creating and what they're playing. And I just noticed a, a need for a new type of controller while working with them, one that captured all the muscle memory mm-hmm. that they've built up from using a wheelchair controller, you know, every, all day, every day to explore the world. Um, and it just occurred to me, why are we not using um, all of this muscle memory and familiarity to allow them to, to explore music? That's such a brilliant idea and it's a no-brainer. It's like all the good ideas, they're pretty obvious, aren't they, when kind of somebody <laughs> yeah. comes up with it. They're yeah. used to controlling their wheelchair and why not use that to be creative and make music? So. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I should point out there that we don't use... Their wheelchair controller is still their wheelchair controller. Yep. Um, just we thought from a from a health and safety point of view, <laughs> we thought we'd leave the control yeah. of the chair and the control of the music <laughs> separate for now. <laughs> Um, there has been talk about them working together. I've got, I've really liked the idea of kind of um, facilitating some kind of dance piece that involves music and and movement as well. But for now, we we keep the we keep the two separate. But but the uh, principle is the same. Exactly, the principle same. is the same. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's um, it's just to remove a kind of a major barrier there because any kind of new technology. There's many things out there for to assist with kind of um, disability music engagement. There's some amazing tools out there. Um, but I just noticed that the quite often they still involve some kind of new learned movement from the user. Mm-hmm. Um, and if somebody's facing restrictions to their movement, um, restrictions to cognitive abilities as well, any kind of barrier that that, that kind of slows down that, that ability to learn something new on the fly. Um, but the creativity is still there and I wanted to you know, find a way to be able to access that uh, and for these guys to, to be able to make music. 
Brilliant. So how have you optimised the UI of the music composition software to make it really... Well, music? this is the thing that we're working on at the moment, you see. So uh, where we're at at the moment um, is we kind of... The, the actual physical controller, we have the new ones of those now, and we're, we're ready with those, but now we're working on the software. This is where our problems lay, um, in that uh, we're using Ableton at the moment um, until we, we design our own. Ableton does a lot of what we want it to do, but it doesn't do some of the things. And in terms of its user interface, it's not... Um, it's not the easiest thing to look at. Mm -hmm. You have to be quite tech savvy for it, which um, for the young people that we're working with isn't great. But also as well, this has kind of been designed with the teachers at the, the SEN schools in mind. Mm -hmm. Because my aim is I want you know as many people as, as possible to feel the joy of playing music and playing music with their friends. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in my mind, to be able to achieve that, I needed to create something that really saved the job for the teachers and really removed, you know, removed a restriction for the teachers as well. You know, it's it's not required to be tech savvy. Mm -hmm. It's plug and play and a super simple setup. And as soon as you go, then you're, you're you know, as soon as you plug it all in, you're ready to go and music's kind of at your fin fingertips. Unfortunately, at the moment, it has to rely on setups that I've created as opposed to having a, a really lovely, engaging UI um, which means that you will, can go in and, and you know adapt things as you want, but that's what we're developing at the moment. Um, and yeah, we aim to be able to actually start rolling out our, our new software with the new user interface and everything from um, from February next year um, with proper school trials. At a number of schools that we work with from April. Brilliant. So we're hoping that winning this award will really catapult you into the kind of public eye and provide support or kind of leverage and impetus that you wouldn't have got otherwise so your uh, plans for 2020 are to take it to the next level yeah really to, to take it to market I mean it uh, we're, we're here at the uh, you know the winner's day for the awards and already the amount of um, the amount that it's helped um, Digit Music already is incredible and you're yeah, really looking forward to, to some you know hopefully some nice high profile performances which we've we've got coming up um, and just the support of the kind of, you know, the, the Tech for Good family and all of the, the sponsors and whatnot that are involved. Um, I'm really hoping that that will propel us um, up to the next level because the aim is, you know, to take it to market. Um, at the moment, we are, it's, it's, we're a very small company. It's essentially just myself. Um, and then I have some people that I deliver workshops with. But in terms of actually running the business and, and designing and developing the things, it's just me. So it's really about building the team up and getting the infrastructure and everything in place. Um, so that we can um, that we can really deliver what what I know we're capable of delivering and get, and get as many young people as possible playing music. Brilliant! Watch this space, Digit Music. It'll be coming hopefully to a software store near you or near where people who need to have access to brilliant software to compose music, regardless of their ability, yes, will definitely. be. So yeah, thanks, Sai. So can we play out with some music? Yes, we can. This is um, a piece from Jess Fisher, um, who was kind of one of the, the first young people using Control One device. And this is her piece of music called Time Stood Still. Oh! 
So I've got a condition called multiple epiphyseal dysplasia that basically means that my joints have grown dif differently. Um, in 2002, having um, both my hips replaced, um, okay. and because I'm like slightly smaller in stature, they actually designed it. It was um, CAD CAM computer aided design. I couldn't basically use hips off the shelf. Um, and the truth is, because of assistive technology, I can walk today. I've always been very kind of passionate about um, disability and assistive technology. And 10 years ago, I used to be an investment banker and I kind of pivoted careers. Um, so I used to work for Morgan Stanley. They offered me, they spun us off to a separate entity called MSC. I took the redundancy. I travel around the world, went to India, China, around Europe, and just saw kind of the inequality and poverty for myself. And then I just started to contemplate and what's my purpose in life? Is it just to accrue wealth? Or do I actually want to try to help people? And I thought I'm in a fortunate situation that I can try to help people. Um, so I kind of pivoted careers from then. Mm -hmm. um, so I set up a charity called Choice International that focuses on equality, diversity, but mainly international development. The idea was to use some of the innovative ideas um, from the UK and around Europe, things like access to work um, and other kind of inclusive design um, kind of philosophy and role models for disability and basically helped to replicate that in places like India and other places in the world. So I did that for three years. And then basically I've gone on to help charities, social enterprises and nonprofits. So I kind of classify myself as a social entrepreneur. My portfolio career focuses on four main portfolios. One is um, technology and accessibility. Another one is health and well-being. Another one is sports and inclusion. And the final one is employment and entrepreneurship. And disability is the common thread kind of goes through all of those portfolios. The Global Disability Innovation Hub was basically, it was born out of the legacy of the London 2012 Paralympic Games. My connection with that is I was a torchbearer for the Paralympic Games in London 2012. Mm -hmm. So when I saw there was an organization that was going to be part of the actual legacy of the games and is focused on technology, innovation and disability. That's what really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. I think it's the world's first as in a global disability innovation hub. The idea is to build a movement to accelerate disability innovation. Mm -hmm. It's actually a collaboration of a number of different organizations. So you have universities, cultural organizations, um, charities, all of focusing on a common objective mm -hmm. in relation to um, disability innovation. We originally got 10 million funding from DFID. They've recently match funded the 10 million. So we've got 20 million that's been funded now um, from, from DFID. And the idea is, if you're looking at globally, um, it's estimated that maybe, say, by 2050, there'll be 2 billion people that will benefit from assistive technology, but they're predicting that maybe 90% of people won't have access. Mm. The idea of the program is actually to use low-tech assistive technology solutions to help um, the, the disabled people around the world. 
the collaboration from a, a number of um, global partners from, say, the World Health Organization, the Clinton Health Initiative, UNICEF, and some of the leading world's innovators and uni universities in relation to disability, NGOs and DPOs. We've created Africa's first assistive technology accelerator program and we're receiving applications for that. We've received 19 potential ventures for a program called Innovate Now. These are going to be programs where the, the money that we've received from DFID will be invested in, in these kind of um, tech assistive tech solutions around Africa. We've launched an MSc for Disability Design and Innovation that started in September, and that's mm -hmm. a collaboration of UC University and London College of Fashion. So, like the, the World Health Organization stated that the number one cause of like disability is in relation to depression and mental health. Mm -hmm. um, so, I'm also a governor at Chelsea Westminster Hospital, but the truth is, the NHS, a lot of the the way the the tariffs and its structure is a lot of it's focused a lot on ill health so basically when a person gets ill they go into hospital and they get treatment mm -hmm. the truth is things like um, a proactive approach like social prescribing is still in its infancy but I, I believe that we're going to have to focus more on a society on a proactive approach to well-being <laughs>